Amen. Turn your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 30 this morning. And uh, last week we started a brand new series and and we're calling the series simply Words. Words. And um, we talked about the importance of uh, um, the words that we speak, the authority and the power there is in the words that we speak, and the responsibility that every child of God has to speak words that bring or that give life in every situation that they are facing. In Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19, let's quickly go there. It says, uh, you can look on the screen if you don't have a uh, Bible with you today. And by the way, as always, if you need a Bible at the end of the service, let us know and we will give you a Bible uh, free of charge. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19 says, I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Now, this is God speaking. He's speaking to the nation of Israel. Uh, Let's look at the same verse in the New Living Translation. It says, today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now, I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Now, I want you to just grasp the implications of what we just read. This is the God of the universe coming down to his people and saying, Hey, I am actually going to give you the choice between life and death. He says, I will place before you blessings on one side and I will place before you curses on the other side. And now he says, I call, now I call heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Now think about that. Now when you're talking about God, what makes God God? God, when you call someone or something God, that means they're supreme. That means they can do whatever they want. There's nobody that can question them, nobody that can judge them, right? Now, at the same time, the God that we serve, even though he is all-powerful, even though he is all-knowing, he comes down to man and he says, guess what? I will give you the choice. I will place before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now he says, the choice that you make, I'm calling heaven and earth. That means I'm calling all that I uh, I have created. I'm calling them to make sure that they are a witness to the choice that you make. Then he goes on to say, all that you choose life. In other words, he's giving you the choice, but at the same time, he's letting you know his heart's desire. He's letting you know that even though I'm giving you the choice between life and death, my desire is that you will choose life and not death. So he says, oh, that you will choose life, that both you and your descendants may live. So a couple of things we need to understand is the choices we make today determine the life that we are going to live. And the choices we make today, you are not just making for yourself, but you are making it for the next generation as well. See, it doesn't matter what your age is. It doesn't matter if you're married or not. It doesn't matter if you have kids or not yet. The choices that you are making today, it doesn't matter if you're 18 or 20 or 25. Even though you are single, the choices that you are making are going to affect your descendants, your children and your children's children. And so God says, oh, that you would choose life and not death. Why? Because that's my desire from the beginning. Now, one of the ways if we don't, or let me say this, the choices you make today are not just about you, but they are also about the next generation. If you don't choose life, by uh, you by default choose death because that is the direction of the fallen world we live in. Right? I'll say that again. If you don't actively choose life, by default you choose death because that is the direction of the fallen world that we live in. You see, have you um, ever observed that if you don't, uh, uh, um, if you just leave something, it deteriorates, it doesn't get better? You know, you, you leave a, a brand new Rolls Royce or a Ferrari, you take it and then you just leave it in some place. 
You come back one year later, what happens? It doesn't improve. It doesn't upgrade all of a sudden. It's like, whoa, you know, one year I left it in the garage, came back, it works even better than it did before. Nobody says that, right? Uh, you, leave a, you, you build a beautiful house and you just leave it. Nobody stays in it for a year. What happens? It deteriorates. Everything in life, you know, what happens to your health if you don't take care of it? It deteriorates. What happens to your money if you don't take care of it? It deteriorates. Everything in life is going in the wrong direction because that's the fallen world we live in. So if you don't make an active choice to choose life, you will by default be choosing death and you will be going in the wrong direction. Now, turn with me to Proverbs 18.21. We saw this Last week, these, uh, uh, sorry, those who love to talk will suffer the consequences. Men have died for saying the wrong thing. I'll read it from the New Living. It says, the tongue can bring life or, sorry, death or life. So, so in Deuteronomy, God says, I place before you life and death. In Proverbs, it says, the tongue can either bring death or bring life. And God says in Deuteronomy, oh, I want you to choose life. So in other words, one of the primary ways we choose life is by deciding on the words that we speak. All right. One of the primary ways you and I choose life rather than death, choose blessing rather than curses, is based on the words that come out of the Mouth. It says the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Consequences of what? Consequences of the words that they speak. Amen? All right. So we primarily, uh, 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 or go to James chapter 3, please. James chapter 3. James chapter 3, starting from verse 2. Again, a well-known scripture here, but... Uh, let's see what we can learn. James chapter 3 and starting from verse 2, it says, For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. Everyone say perfect man. Able to bridle the whole body. Now, when the Bible says or talks about a perfect man, it's just saying he is a mature man. All right, you understand that? So it's not doesn't mean perfect, meaning that he's not blameless, doesn't mean he doesn't have any sin or, or that he doesn't have any struggles. It just means he's maturing in, in, in who he is. Verse 3 says, Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that, we may obey, that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Verse 4, look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder when, wherever the pilot desires. Even so. So James is just making a comparison and he's saying he's comparing uh, uh, the horse with the ship and now he's comparing us. And he says, even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. You see, all of our tongues, in comparison to the rest of our bodies, it's a very small member or part of the body. And yet he says it boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. Now, what does he mean by that? We'll get to that. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. Or in, in some of your Bibles, the cross reference will say by human nature, by natural man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly, evil, full of deadly poison. Amen? Now, so James, the brother of Jesus, is talking here and he says, we've got to pay attention to the words that we speak. He's saying that even though the tongue is a very small part of the human body, he says it is going to decide what takes place in the rest of the body. 
He says, just like even though the horse uh, weighs a, a lot more than a human uh, uh, being, we control where the horse goes by doing what? By placing a small bit in the horse's mouth. He says, even the ship's so large, and yet we control where the ship goes, even though the fierce winds might come, the, the, the deciding factor is the, the direction in which the pilot decides or the captain of the ship decides for the ship to go, that's the direction in which it's going to go. So also, he says, so also is the tongue of every human being. Now, verse 3 says, uh, sorry, verse 4, let's look at that. It says, look also at the ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. You see, what ultimately decides the direction of the ship is not the wind, but the rudder. Right? What ultimately decides the direction of the ship is not the wind, but the rudder. What ultimately decides the direction of your life are not the external forces that you are dealing with in your life, but the words that you speak and declare out of your mouth. Right? Just like a ship can go through a storm, but even after the storm passes, it continues to go in the direction that the captain decides. Why? Because there is a destination that was decided upon before the ship ever left for the sea. All right? And so in the middle, there might be storms, but the captain decided, wait a minute, that's the destination we're going to. So no matter what comes, that's where we're going. So also in life, James is saying, you might face a lot of situations in your life, but that should not determine the direction of your life. That means even though the external forces of life might seem very large and waves in comparison, even though the ship is larger than man, sometimes the waves that, that you face on the ocean are much larger than the ship. So also with you, the things that you are facing in your life might seem insurmountable. They might seem impossible. What James is saying is, hey, even though that might be the case, what ultimately decides your direction and your destination is the words that you speak and declare out of your mouth. Now, what does that mean to you and me in our everyday life? That means the economy doesn't get to decide the direction of your life. That means your, the doctor's report does not have to decide the direction of your life. Other people's opinions about you don't have to determine the direction of your life. Are you understanding that? The storms that you are facing in your life don't have to determine the course or direction of your life. Verse 6 says, let's just jump, jump down to verse 6. Um, it says, the, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The, world, the tongue is so set among members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire by hell. You see, in other words, what, what, what James is saying is when you start saying certain things, that is like kindling a small fire. But when you kindle a small fire, it has the potential to destroy an entire forest. So also, when you say certain things out of your mouth, you might think that it is just a small thing. But James is letting us know, but the potential of what you have just spoken is that there can be a devastating effect in, in, in one or two areas of your life. Or in three areas, or in four areas, depending on the words that you speak. Now, when he says that this is by uh, the fire by hell, what he's saying is the only way the enemy has access to your life and can change the course of your life, determine the direction of your life, is if you give access to the enemy to your tongue. You see, contrary to popular belief, the, the, the enemy cannot do anything to you, neither can he make you do anything. In fact, nobody can make you do anything. You decide what you want to do, and you do it. Are you understanding that? You decide what you want to do. The enemy doesn't have authority over a born-again uh, child of God to make him or to make her do what the enemy wants to do. The only thing that he can do is suggest to you. That's why even in the Garden of uh, uh, Eden, the, 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 the enemy did not force the fruit down Adam and Eve's throat. He simply brought in a suggestion. And that suggestion led them to actually biting of the fruit by their own will. 
You see, the, what the enemy can do is bring a suggestion to you, but you are the one. He can bring the matchbox to you, but you're the one who's got to strike the match against the matchbox. Are you understanding that? And so if you give access to the enemy, now he has the access into your life to bring hellfire and destroy certain areas of your life. But if you don't give him access with the words that you speak, he has no access into your life. You see, once you fall for the suggestions of the enemy, we speak it and that gives the open door to bring hell into our lives. Let's jump down to verse 8. See, verse 8 says, and this is very important to understand, it says, but no man can tame the tongue. Now, if you just read it till there and stop, I mean, what's, wait a minute, James, like, why are you even writing this to us? What is the point? So, You've got to understand when James is saying no man can tame the tongue, we've got to understand that is not a statement of truth to the born again child of God. See, this is why it's so important to rightly divide the word and rightly read the word of God. See, otherwise you'll read that and say, well, there's nothing I can do to tame my tongue anyway, so let me just keep talking. Right? But that's not the point. He, in fact, the whole reason why he's writing that particular chapter is so that we can, can tame the tongue. So that we can do what normal man cannot do. So in contrast, if you read uh, in context of what he's saying, everything that he's saying is about the natural man. For example, he says that you can tame the beast, any creature of the sea or of land and of reptile. Now, you don't have to be saved to train a horse. You don't have to be saved to train a dolphin. Is that true? You don't have to be saved to train your puppy or your dog, your cat, whatever it is. Why? That can be done by just a natural human being. So he says, we can do all of that. And yet no one can tame the tongue. So what is he talking about? Natural man can tame animals that are much larger than him. But he cannot tame the little member that is in his mouth. Talking about the natural man. But how many of you know you are not a natural man? If you have placed your faith in Christ, you are a supernatural being. A species of uh, a being that never existed before. You are a new creation in Christ. And besides that, if that statement is true, then that is saying that Jesus could not tame his tongue. How many of you would say, well, yes, that is true. Jesus could not tame his tongue. Anybody believe that? No. So if Jesus could tame his tongue, guess what? You can tame your tongue. So that's not a statement of truth to a born-again child of God. Why? Because anything that Jesus ever did, guess what? A child of God, a born-again Christian can do the same. Are you understanding that? So Jesus was able to tame his tongue. He tamed his tongue to the extent where he said, I only say what I hear my father say. That's the extent to which he was able to tame his tongue. So if he was able to do that, guess what? You can do the same. We get to choose. Now, why does it say no, uh, uh, the natural man cannot tame his tongue or no man can tame his tongue? Because the natural man does not even realize what he is saying. You see, this past week I was, on, I was out of uh, town on vacation with my family and, uh, and, and as we were returning back to Hyderabad, we, were, uh, we left the hotel that we were staying in and we got into the taxi and, and we were headed to the airport. And as we're headed to the airport, uh, uh, they told us that uh, there's a lot of construction going on uh, on the way to the airport. So they wanted us to start ahead of time and uh, we started nearly two and a half hours before uh, uh, we needed to reach the airport. And so it was more than enough time. But as we were going halfway through the journey, we, we started encountering the traffic because of the construction. And, and, and the guy that was driving the cab, now, I mean, the, he might have said this a hundred times during, dur during the course of, of our, our driving from, from the hotel to the airport. Every single time there was a car that would come in front of him or we would have to stop for a little bit, he would say, Are margaire. Are margaire. Right? And, and he would say that over and over and over. And he would say, oh, it's impossible to get to the airport. It's impossible to get to the airport. 
we're going to miss the flight. I think we'll miss the flight. I think you'll miss the flight. Now, he does not even know what he's saying. See, but to me, I was sitting in the back seat. I had another relative sitting in the front seat. Me and my wife were sitting in the back seat. And, and, and after a couple of times of him saying that, we looked at each other. Why? Because we knew what he was saying. And so every, every time, once I started paying attention to what he was saying from the back seat, I said, no, 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 this is going, we're going to have life and there's not going to be any death. We're going to reach the airport safely. There are not going to be any delays. Everything's going to work out well. We are going to get on the flight without any hassle. Why did I have to say that? Because I was conscious of what was being spoken. Are you understanding what I'm saying? See, the natural man, for him, it's nothing. He's not even conscious. He's not even aware. And so this happens even in the life of a believer. Why? Because you speak out of your renewed mind. Right? So some, in some cases, you're a Christian, but your mind is not renewed. So you keep saying things that are choosing death rather than life. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So the more you keep choosing death through the words that you speak, what happens? You keep walking into the very things that you are speaking. Are you getting this? So it takes a born again child of God to have his mind renewed to the word to be able to speak in line with the word. If not, you're going to speak like just like any other unsaved uh, uh, one that is breathing on this planet. You see, the, only, the, the difference of speech between a Christian and a non-Christian is not just, well, I don't use uh, bad words. It's not just about not using bad words. The Bible says, Jesus said, you will be held accountable for every idle and inoperative word. What's that? It did not say you will be held accountable for every foul word or bad word. It says for every idle or inoperative word. How do you like that? No, he, he said you will be held accountable. That means what? One day you're going to stand before God and you're going to have to give an account for everything that you blurted out of your mouth. And that's why Jesus said, I only say what I hear my father say. So when he stands, he says, well, you said it, I said it. Are you getting what I'm saying? So for every idle, what's an idle word? What's an inoperative word? An inoperative word or an idle word is word that you decided to speak on your own without it being from the heart of God. For any idle word, what's an idol? Anything that is not of God is an idol in your life. An idol is not just something that you make with your hands. You don't make money with your hands and yet it can be an idol. Are you understanding that? You're, you don't make career with your hands and you don't look at it every single day, but it can be your idol. Why? Because if it doesn't come from God, it becomes an idol in your life. And so even the words that you speak... You've got to pay attention. You see, uh, Christians talk about generational curses. How many of you have heard about that? Do you know how generational curses get passed on? Through the words that you speak. You heard your father speak a certain way and you speak the same. And your father heard your grandfather speak a certain way and he says, he says the same stuff. And what happens? You keep saying the same stuff. What happens? You keep walking into the same stuff. So your father kept saying, when I'm 50, I know the heart, uh, my, my heart is going to fail. When I'm 50, my heart is going to fail. You know, when I'm 40, my, you know, my blood pressure anyway, it's going to do what it's supposed to do. When, you know, when I'm in my uh, uh, late 30s, you know, my, well, my father had sugar and, and he, also, he always used to tell me that his grandfather had sugar and his grandfather always used to say his grandfather had sugar. When every single time they were in their 40s, they got sugar and they had uh, uh, blood pressure issues. So guess what? When I'm in my 40s, guess what is happening? Now what's happening? So generational curses keep happening in your life. Why? Because you give an opportunity for the devil to bring hell into your life through the words that you speak. Are you getting that? So how do you break generational curses? You declare the word of God rather than declaring the word of the world.
Are you understanding that? So do you understand the importance of the words that are coming out of your mouth? Because as you speak these things, you begin to walk into the reality of these things. So uh, uh, um, uh, you've got to understand that you are a spirit, that you have a soul and you live in a physical body. Get this concept out of your mind that you cannot control your mind. Get this concept out of your mind that you cannot control your tongue. You say, uh, 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 say this out loud. Say, my mind is my mind. My mouth is my mouth. I decide what to say. See, some of you did not say that. You know why? Because you decided not to say that. You see that? And yet you'll call me a pastor. Again, I got not, I'm just trying to prove a point. You'll say I'm the pastor and I'm your pastor. And yet when I ask you to repeat something, you will not. You'll just sit there. Why? Because you decided not to say it. So even the pastor cannot make you say something you don't want to say. So don't tell me the devil made me say it. No, no, no. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance. You see, why do we, do you understand now why I get you to hold on to your Bible saying this is my Bible, I am what it says I am? Because I want you to declare that. I don't know what kind of week you had. I don't know what kind of argument you had this morning with your wife, with your kids, with your neighbor. I don't know. Maybe with the cab guy. I don't know. Maybe you had a small accident. Maybe you got into an argument. I don't know. So before we get into the word, I get you to open your mouth and say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. You might have had a worse night uh, uh, last night. You might have had a horrible week. But when you come into this place, I want you to say, I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Not what my boss said I can do. Not what my parents said I can do. Because I don't know what kind of boss you had. I don't know what kind of parents you have. I don't know what kind of wife or kids you have. It doesn't matter about any of those things. What I'm trying to get you to understand is declare out of your mouth you are what the word of God says you are. You can do what the word of God says you can do. That's why we confess the word. It's not a tradition. It's a, it's a biblical way of living life. It's the kingdom way of living life. Amen? Amen. All right. Uh, let's quickly go to Luke chapter 4, please. Luke chapter 4 and verse 38. It says, Now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. But Simon's wife's mother was sick. That means his mother-in-law was sick with a, hu with a high fever. And they made request of him concerning her, uh, requesting Jesus in this, uh, um, uh, in this case. So it says, so he stood over her and rebuked the, what? Come on, rebuked the, and it left her. And immediately she arose and served them. Now, so Jesus, we have a situation here. There's a woman, my mother-in-law, she's having fever. Can you do something about it? Jesus does not fall on his knees and start praying and saying, oh, Father, please do something about this. What does he do? He rebukes the fever. And what does the Bible say? And immediately, sorry, and it left her. What left her? Come on, what left her? The fever, which means the fever heard him. Which means the fever heard him. Which means the words that you speak are not just being heard by the people around you. They're being heard in the spirit. That's why last week we said from John 6, 63, what did Jesus say? The words that I speak unto you are they are spirit and they are life. So you've got to understand that the words that you are speaking are not just regarding this natural realm. If, if a fever can hear God speak. And then we, saw, we see in Mark chapter 11 that a fig tree could hear Jesus speak. Well, what about your body? Can your body hear the words that you speak? Yes. Come on, I said, can your body hear the words you speak? Yes. What about your business? Yes. What about the money that you need? Yes. What about your car and your bike? Yes. See, it's... For some, it'll be like, wait, wait, wait. you want me to speak to you, my car? You want me to speak to my bike? That's weird, Pastor. No, it's not weird at all. It's not weird at all. Every now and then when I get out of my car, when I get home, 
And if I'm driving, especially I come home, I, I switch it off and I turn and I take my stuff. And before I go, I'll just hit the car and say, you're blessed. And I'll just walk away. I'll just say, nothing malfunctions in you. And walk away. Now, you might think that's strange. Here's, here's the issue. Have you ever seen somebody who hates the car or bike that they drive? Right? And, and, and they have a, something that doesn't work. And they'll kick it. Right? And they'll say, this stupid thing. Right? Now, when, when, when they kick it, and if you, you might see someone do that, and you'll think that's perfectly normal. And you'll just keep walking. Right? Right? But yet, if you see me say, you're blessed. You'll think, what the heck is wrong with this guy? You know why? Because you and I are so conformed to this world. It's e we don't think it's wrong to say the wrong thing. We think it's wrong to say the right thing. So if you're driving a bike that doesn't work well, speak to it. Bless it. Honor what God has given you. Don't trash it. Don't curse it with the words that you speak. Why? Because it will respond to you. If a tree can respond, if a favor can respond, so can your bike. So can your car. So can your cell phone, the computer that you use, whatever. See, it's, it's, it's so easy for us to go in the negative direction. Do, do you see that? So easy. See, it's, it's so, you know, we, we hear the words of death and the curse so much out of our mouths. We think it's normal. You know, I'm, I'm dying in this job. I'm dying in this place. I'm, and, and, and we keep saying those things and we think it's, it's normal. And yet the Bible says every single time you are saying something, it's having an effect in your life. So if, 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 uh, uh, the, uh, so if, if the, the car, the bike, uh, your house can hear you, your apartment can hear you. Now, what about this? Can demons hear you? Can angels hear you? Are you understanding that it's not just you talking to your friend now? Are you understanding that you, it's not just when you're talking, it's not just you and your family right now? There are other people, other things that are listening to you and paying attention to what you are saying. So, so the question is, everything around you here, so what, what, what are you speaking and what are they hearing? Job chapter 22 and verse 28 says, you shall also decide and decree a thing. And it shall be established for you. Who shall decide? Come on, I said, who shall decide? You shall decide. You shall decide and decree a thing. That means you shall order a thing. And it will be established for you. And the light of God's favor shall shine upon your ways. Isaiah chapter 57 and verse 19, look at what it says. It says, I create the fruit of the lips, peace, peace, peace to him who is far, far off and to him who is near, says the Lord. I will heal him. Now think about this. He says, I create the fruit of the lips. He did not say, I create the seed of the lips. I create the... Fruit of the lips, which means you ought to be sowing the seed. It's God who brings the fruit. The, how do you sow the seed? By the words that you speak. So he says, you sow the seed, I will bring the fruit of the lips and I will heal you. So that means there is a connection for those of you who are suffering in your physical bodies. There is a connection between what you say and the healing of God that you will experience. He says, I will bring the fruit of the lips. So he says, in other words, you say the right thing. I'll agree with you. I'll make sure that it is established in your life. 
See, for example, uh, 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 we know that God prepared the promised land for the children of Israel. So God kept saying, if you, if you read through the Old Testament, God kept saying, I have given you the land. I have given you the land. I have given you the land. Possess it, possess it, possess it. And what did the children of Israel keep saying? We will die in the wilderness. We will die in the wilderness. We will die in the wilderness. So guess what happened? They died in the wilderness. Not because God wanted them to die in the wilderness. Why? Because he prepared the land for them. And yet they died in the wilderness. Why? Because they decided. And it was established in their life and in their heart. They got what they said, even though it was not God's best, nor was it God's plan for their lives. So how do we ought to live? Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1 says, Therefore be imitators of God. Copy him and follow his example. Copy who? I said copy who? Not your friend, not your relative, not anyone else. Copy God. And well, as, as well-beloved children imitate their father. See, when a king, you know, what do we see from last week? We saw that when, G, when God wanted things to be created, what did he do? He spoke things into existence. So he says, now Ephesians, Paul says, copy God. So the very first thing, anytime you want to see a change in your life, the first thing that you've got to do is change the words you speak regarding that situation. The first thing. Why? Because the Bible says you decide and you decree and it will be established. You see, when a king, for example, let's say there's a king and he wants a, a, a well to be dug. When the king wants a well to be dug, he doesn't go looking for a shovel and the rest of the tools that he needs. What does he do? He decrees a thing. He says, I want a well dug. Then it is established unto him. Guess what, what you are? You are a king and a priest in God. So the first thing that you ought to be doing is not run to, to the bank to get a loan. Not run to the doctor to get his opinion. Not run to your family members or your friends and your boss to get their opinion. The first thing you've got to do is declare the word. Then you go get wisdom from the people that you need to talk to. The first thing you've got to do is declare the word. Psalms, uh, 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 look at this, Psalm uh, 103 and verse 20. It says, bless the Lord, you his angels who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Heeding the voice of his word, which means angels move at the voice of the word of God. Now, the Bible also lets us know that the angels are ministering spirits to you and to me. In other words, angels are God's agents to serve you and me. Now, there are different kinds of angels in the, in the Bible. And so there's a class of angels that are simply there to serve you and me. So the question is, what are your angels hearing from you? What are your angels hearing from you? When you're riding in the bus, when you're going on your car, when you're driving your car, when you're going on your bike, what are they hearing from you? Because they are going to be held responsible in bringing those things to pass. You say, Pastor, that's too much. Why would an angel listen to me? Look at Daniel. Daniel chapter 10 and verse 12 says, Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel. This is an angel, the, the angel of the Lord speaking. It says, then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your mind and heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come as a consequence and in response to, come on, in response to, that means Daniel started saying something in response to what Daniel said, the angel responded and started acting accordingly. Now, we know from scripture that the angel had to fight for 21 days. Right? The answer was, again, people who say sometimes God delays the answer. God never delays the answer. God always answers when you pray. There are things in the spirit realm that you might not understand completely. I might not understand completely. But God is not a God of delays. See, when was Daniel's prayer answered? The day he prayed. The angel was on the way to deliver the answer. But for 21 days, he was fighting in the spirit realm. 
against demon, demons and demonic forces. So for 21 days, he fights, wins the battle, comes to him. Why? Because there is no quitting for an angel. Because at the end of the day, he is held responsible for what Daniel had spoken. He doesn't fight for 15 days and say, oh, this is too much. I'm going back to heaven. No, no, no. There's no such thing. Doesn't matter if it was 210 days. His job is to fight. That's the kind of authority you hold. I said, that's the kind of authority that you hold. Say very quickly, Joshua chapter 10. And, and I'll start closing with this. Joshua chapter 10 and verse 5. We'll look at a, a bunch of scripture very quickly here. Joshua chapter 10 and verse 5, it says, Therefore the five kings of, of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of uh, uh, Jarmuth, the king of Lashish, and the king of Eglon, uh, gathered together and went up, and they and all their armies encamped before Gideon and made uh, war against it. Sorry, Gibeon. Uh, and the men of Gibeon uh, sent to Joshua and the camp of uh, Gilgal, uh, saying, Do not forsake your servant. Come up to us quickly. Save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us. Now, this is five armies, five kings, all of them gathered uh, against one. And so he says, verse 7, So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he, he and all the people of, uh, of war with him and, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, do not, fear, uh, do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of, the, of them shall stand before you. All right, so Joshua got the word of the Lord, which means he now knows the will of God regarding this situation. It didn't matter the size of the army. It didn't matter if it was two armies or three or five. Now that he got the word of the Lord, look at how Joshua responds to this. Then he, he goes on to say, Joshua therefore came uh, upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. So the Lord routed them before Israel. Now, you know, sometimes when we read this, we don't, uh, 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 we, you need to understand what is happening. The Bible is saying they marched all night. What happens when you march all night? Do you have more energy or less? They marched all night and they're going to war. And they marched all night and they're going to war not against one army, but five. But he got the word from God. I said, but he got the word from God. Now, he goes on to say in, in uh, um, okay, verse 10. So the Lord uh, routed them before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the road um, that goes to Beth Haron and struck them down as far as Ezekah and Makada. And, and it, it happened as they fled before Israel and were... On, a, on the descent of Beth Haran, that the Lord cast down large hail, hailstones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. They were more who died from the hailstorm than the children of Israel killed with the sword. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel. Now, are you understanding the context of everything that's happening? Five armies, then Joshua gets the word to help them, uh, uh, to help Gibeon. So he comes and they start waging this war. Marched all night and they're in this war. They're, they're fighting throughout the day. Marched all night, fighting through the day. But he got the word from God that God has given them the victory. That they were not supposed to walk in fear even though there were five armies. So this is what happens. Now, the sun is setting upon the day. It's about to be dark, right? And so this is what Joshua said. Joshua said, sun, stand still over Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. Get this. Joshua gets the word from God, marches all night with his men, Fights all day. And the sun is about to set. He's losing time. So what does he do? He remembers the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord said that he had the victory. So anything that was about to stop him from having the victory had to be stopped. 
I'll say that again. Anything that was stopping from him having the victory had to be stopped. So it didn't matter if it was man. It didn't matter if it was a demon. It did not even matter if it was the universe. So what he says, he doesn't say, oh God, where are you? The sun is setting. Oh God, where are you? I can't see clearly. He simply looks before, look at what it says, and in the sight of Israel. So in front of all of his army, he doesn't look unto God and say, God, do something about it. He looks at the sun because he already got the word from God. So there's nothing God needed to do here. Oh man, if you get this, some of you, you keep going back to God and saying, God, do something. It's not God who's supposed to do something right now. He's already done. He's already spoken. He's waiting for you to do something. So Joshua doesn't go to God. Because he has God. He has the word of God. So he looks at the sun. He says, sun, stay where you are. Moon, stay where you are. And then the Bible says, so the sun stood still. Now, we know in the universe that the sun is not the one that's revolving. The sun stays where it is. The, the earth rotates. rotates. We, we're, we're well aware of that. But in other words, what's happening is everything stood still because who spoke? I said, who spoke? Not God. Do you understand? That's why you've got to understand Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. When God created the heavens and the earth and everything else, now he comes to man. He created man in his image and in his likeness. And then he said, let them have dominion. Dominion. Over what? Everything that I've created. Your dominion as a born again child of God goes all the way from your life all the way to the throne of God. Not including the throne of God. You don't have authority over the throne of God. Nobody does. He alone. That's why when Adam and Eve fell, everything in this world was affected and the heavenlies were affected. The only thing that was not affected by the sin of Adam was the throne of God. That's why in the book of Hebrews, when Jesus died, the Bible says even the heavenly utensils had to be cleansed by the blood. Why were they supposed to be cleansed? Because they were affected. The only thing in the universe that was not cleansed by the blood was the throne of God. Why? It was not affected. Why? Everything else was under the dominion of man. So Joshua stands and says, sun, stand still. Moon, stay where you are. And the Bible says the sun stood where it was supposed to be and the moon stopped till the people had revenge over the enemies. Get this. So why did they stop? Not so that Joshua can boast of his authority. They didn't stop for Joshua's selfish gain. They stopped because the word of God was spoken. Joshua believed it. And he was going to stop using his authority. Anything that was stopping the word of God from coming to pass in his life. One of the things you've got to understand and realize. If you are going through a bad situation. A tough situation in your life. What did God say about that situation? Speak the word only regarding that situation. Speak the word only regarding that situation. I'll say that again. Speak the word only. What did we learn last week? Jesus, God comes on the scene. He sees darkness. What does he say? Light be. And light was. He didn't describe the darkness. You don't have to describe the cancer. You don't have to describe how much you are in debt. You know how much you're in debt. 
You don't have to keep describing uh, 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 the problems you're facing with a particular individual. What is it that you want to see? You want peace? Speak peace. You want joy? Speak joy. You want healing? Speak healing. You want uh, uh, financial abundance? Speak abundance. Don't talk about how the job market is. Don't talk about how you don't have a job. Speak the word only. And what I, so what happens when you do? Everything has to obey the word that you speak because you've gotten the word from where? From God. So you say what only your father has said. The way Jesus did. Are you understanding that? See, when you begin to understand and realize the the importance and the authority that you have in the mouth, in the tongue, death and life in the power of the tongue. Then you begin to be aware of it and you begin to start declaring things. See, you, as a king, when you speak certain things, see, when a king says certain things, it's an order. See, when a king says, I am hungry, what, what, what does that mean? That means somebody better get the food quickly. If it's not in the kitchen, somebody quickly makes something. Now, if a beggar says, I'm hungry, it just simply means he's hungry. Nobody's running around in the kitchen preparing something for him. But when a king says, I'm hungry, somebody better be running to the kitchen. What are you in God? You are a king. That's why the Bible says he is the king of kings. Who are the kings? He's the king of kings. So you order stuff. You decide. You decree. And it will be established unto you. Again, this is not for selfish gain. This is not to show forth our authority or, or walk in pride. This is, the more you understand this, the more humble you become. Why? Because you understand, man, this is the kind of responsibility I carry in my life. So when I speak, I've got to be careful. When I say certain things, I've got to be mindful. Why? Because it's either bringing life or death. Amen? So my prayer is that you will begin to choose life. That you will begin to choose words that declare a blessing over your life. Now this, I, I know for a fact this message is not just for some people in this place. This message is for everybody in this place. Everybody in this place. Including myself. Including myself. See, sometimes we know the ways of the kingdom of God, and yet sometimes we tend to neglect. Why? Because, again, we live in the fallen world. We're interacting with relatives. We're interacting with co-workers. We're interacting with other business people, contractors here, this and that, and college students, and, and all of that. And so what? We forget the ways of the kingdom. We fall back into the ways of the world. So let this be a reminder for some. Let this be something that you're learning for the first time for others. But let us make sure that we walk in the reality of this. Amen.